This is part two of Unfound's coverage of the disappearance of Brandon Lee Barron. Brandon Lee Barron was a 34-year-old from Fayetteville, Arkansas. He loved to sing and cook. On June 23, 2020, Brandon's parents saw him walking on the road near their house. They expected to see him at their place in a few minutes. Brandon never arrived. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Exactly. Yes. Okay. All right. And we drive right on. We drive right on past him. Don't you know stop or look or anything. Or, or it was kind of. I'm kind of looking in my mirror, and I can see his face is very red looking. And he, he looked like to me. I, I, I thought he looked like he was very hot. But being June the 24th in now Arkansas, it, 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 it was pretty warm. But Shelly thought he looked angry, looked really angry. And, and he would get red in the face like that when he was angry, too. So whether anger or heat, you know, uh, he was dressed in predominantly dark clothes, looked like he had like some dark pants on and a dark colored shirt. Not sure if they were exactly black, you know, but they were dark colors, very dark colors. And uh, he just he looked like he was kind of pretty tired, but. Red, really red faced and maybe angry. She only thought he looked angry. You had to be shocked. You dry, you know, did you, I uh, should ask you, did you know it was him before you ever passed him? Before you saw his yeah. face, did you know? Yeah, pretty. We, we saw him and we, we recognized him from the rear. For even a split second, did you think about stopping? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, well, you know, should I stop? Should I not stop? But, you know, we, because that, that's where I'm thinking because we wanted them to, to didn't one part of the reason we called the police is because we were, we, we wanted them to serve him with that. Uh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe I'm getting it. No, mixed up. because he would th- already threaten his dad. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to come out there and kill us. That's, I, I don't think anybody can argue with that thought. I, that, that's what I, I would be thinking too. Right. We, we, we ended up calling the police for whatever, you know, whatever our rationale was. That, that was night. the reason. Okay. No, that, and that's, that's understandable. Uh, yeah. So we ended up calling the police and uh, they came back out and we had to, we, we, we proceeded on up the road. We didn't stop. And like I said, it was, a, it was almost exactly a mile to our house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we, we live on, kind of, we have a little corner that we go around and then we have a, a long driveway that turns off to the left. And you go down across the little low water bridge kind of thing and then up a hill. And we live far enough off road that our house is not really visible from the road. Okay. It's probably about a quarter of a mile driveway. And uh, but there's a vacant lot that was across the road and it had like a little drive that went up in it. But it had some overgrowth around it. And I pulled I, I pulled the car down and I backed up into that driveway and kind of back up into where I was fairly well obscured by the shrubbery and stuff back up in there. And we kind of were staking out our driveway and we were going to watch and see what Brandon was doing and see if he walked by and if he went on by, cause he had, he had some friends out that way too. You know, he could have been going, going back out there or somewhere else. So 
we were going to see if he walked by or if he went turned to go up to our house and, you know, we could kind of keep an eye on it from that, that point mm-hmm. and not be seen by him or detected by him. Uh, and you yeah, have to make a long story short, we sat there and sat there and he never walked by. But it, it, during that meantime, we had already contacted the police and they were on their way, but okay. we never saw Brandon come by or, you know, so we're not sure where he went. If he turned off there, there was another dirt road he could have possibly turned off on. Uh, it's, most importantly, I maybe should have brought this up. You saw him walking. You didn't have his wagon with him. Right. There was no way. Yeah. All right. How long would you say you sat there before the police got there? I think we backtracked. Yeah. We backtracked and looked for Brandon and the police were looking for him on the opposite end. But I think we met up on the hill. Shelly and I, Shelly and I kind of remember that differently and she may be right and I may be right, but. I thought we backtracked after the police mm-hmm. showed up, but she seems to think we did it before we okay. drove down. There. I mean, so well, at some point we backtracked, you know, whether, you know, her memory's better or mine is probably hers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with what she said, but, but anyway, at some point we backtracked, we didn't see him on the road anywhere. The police show up. Uh, they, come up and they look around our property again, check everything out. They can't find any trace of him or any evidence of him. Uh, uh, they, but, they, but most importantly, uh, the wagon is gone. Yeah, right. the wagon, the wagon is seriously, gone. The wagon is gone. So we were like, because that was my initial thought when I first saw him is, uh, you know, I, I didn't think he's coming out to kill us. I, I thought he's coming to get our, coming back to get his wagon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I thought. But, you know, so I was a little shocked to uh, realize that the wagon was missing. So, Okay. And we, we, so you go past him. Did, do you think that uh, looking back at it now, do you think that he recognized he, was, of course, knew what kind of car you drove? Do you think he knew it was both of you? Yeah. Possibly, quite possibly. Shelly thinks he did, and, and, and he could have. I mean, but he okay. was also mm-hmm. kind of, uh, he was kind of scatterbrained sometimes. And, you know, I, Depending on his state of mind, he may not have even been paying attention to cars. I don't know. Okay. So, right. I mean, it's possible. Okay, so you get up there. You, you Please, Shelly, go ahead, please. Well, he, he does not remember probably this, but I was talking to the police and begging them to come on out mm-hmm. because they've already been here twice. Yeah. And he was kind of cocky with me. And... You know, I said he has threatened my husband mm-hmm. with death. And he said, well, all we can do is trespassing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have a protection order. Right. Okay. So I've dog his memory because he, that was our fear. He was coming out to kill us. Yeah. I, I, I think everybody who's listening right now probably thinks the same thing. I think everybody would have been thinking that, of course. Being that, especially since you know that there was proof that he had been at your house that day with that wagon being there. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So you go up there, you kind of stake out the place. You never do see Brandon again. The police show up. They, of course, go through the entire property and everything again. Of course, no, nothing, you know, of course, he wasn't there. But this wagon somehow went missing, even though you two did not see him pass 
to go up into your driveway or whatever. And we have to remember this is a wagon, so it's going to be a little difficult to maybe pull through the woods or something. So, and this is the last time when you passed him, that's the last time you saw Brandon. That's the last time we saw him. And okay. as far as we know, that's the last time anyone has saw him. We haven't in three years of, you know, asking and searching and looking for answers. We haven't seen anybody that can verifiably say that they have spoke to him or seen him after that day. When was before that day, when was the last time that Brandon was at your house? Oh, best man. guess, best guess a month before, two weeks before, two months before. Over a year. Over a year. I, I don't, I don't seem to, I don't recall it being that long, but it's possible. It is. Cause okay. if you think long. about it, it's been, it, it over been a year. Yeah. All right. So it was a long time since he had been, you know, at your house, even though I realize he's homeless, but he's living with your daughter. You know, if he wanted to go out, I guess he could have. If he wanted to go out, maybe your daughter Ashton would have driven him out there or something. But it had been a, a long time since he had been at your house. Then all of a sudden, there's the wagon there. You see him walking on the road, and that's the last time he's ever seen on June 24th of 2020. Yes. Right? Okay. That's that. That's that's what we understand at that point. Now later, we're led to believe something a little different. And if you want to, whenever yeah, we'll get, you want to. Let's, uh, we'll just go keep going this in the timeline. So your place gets checked out. He's not there. What goes on for like, uh, you know, the next few days? Uh, what were you thinking at the time? Um, anybody call? At, once again, right there within those last, first few days, anybody call to say like a neighbor say, you know what? I think I saw your, your son walking on the street. You know, what went on for those just those next few days? Well, you know, I think it was very early on, you know, that day or maybe the next day, I talked to some neighbors who are actually uh, uh, have neighbors that's a cousin to me and uh, talking to them, they informed us that they had saw Brandon walking earlier that the, on the 24th, walking, pulling the wagon toward Fayetteville. And they saw him approximately 45 minutes before we saw him. And he was about two miles from our house at that point. But going away from your house, not toward going, it. Going away from our house. Okay. Okay, so that, that you found that out just a couple of days after. Any other sightings other than that that, that you would believe, uh, you know, once again, around your area of your house, within a couple miles of your house? No. No. I got a little scared the next night and had to call the police back because I, was, you, when you're here all alone and you hear bumps yeah. and sure, you know, sure. absolutely, and I wasn't. She was anywhere. on high alert. So. Yeah, I was. Of course. And you know, I was in oxygen at the time, and so when they got here, you know, I was just frantic, and so they kept on they check on me for a little while, you know. They and, did increase patrols during the night to yeah she was concerned yeah. but we only had the one camera at the time and you know i had that and he worked nights and so it was kind of hard you know i couldn't walk so there was no way you know i just had to sit here and, and let what happened happen you know so but 
And he never did show. He okay. Look, just the twenty fourth was it. Okay. Uh, you know, regarding your property, how big? You know, if I may ask, how big is your property? How many acres? We have ten acres. Ten acres. All right. So not small property. Uh, did you kind of like when, when you know feeling maybe a little more relaxed? Maybe two days later, did you ever go like walk out in the woods to see if you could find anything? You know, connected to Brandon. Anything maybe, for example, that you saw in the wagon that might have gotten left behind? Anything like that? I think I do recall. You know, doing kind of a a a, a search just kind of around the. Well, we, we have 10 acres, but it's mostly wooded. So we have like a, a spot carved out for a house and so that we have a lawn. So just kind of in the in the woods around the perimeter of the lawn area, and you know, and kind of around some of the outbuildings. And, you know, I, we have a crawl space that goes up under the house. And I think I kind of looked up underneath there. And, yeah, yeah. You know, or, yeah. you know so he wasn't hiding in under there or anything like that. And, yeah, uh, you know, but I didn't go out and try to attempt to, you know, cover the whole 10 acre wooded property, you know, by myself and look it over. You know. Okay. Uh, you did mention that you had had an, uh, a security system installed. Were there any cameras on the outside of the house that would have seen caught Brandon coming to your house with the, with the, you know, leaving the wagging there, coming back to get it, anything like that? No, because we did that after. Oh, you did that after. after. Yeah, okay. shortly after, uh, I think within a, a few days or a week or something after, which we installed that, you know, to, because she was home at night by herself and she didn't feel comfortable being there. And I thought that would give me a little bit more of ability to, to kind of keep an eye on yeah. her and make her feel a little bit more secure. So of we course. did that. Okay. So the most probably most important part to understand about this is you see them. Of course, people are maybe looking for him. The police are maybe looking for him. Of course, you have this protection order and everything else. But no missing persons report was filed at, on at that day. Of course, for obvious reasons. I mean, you saw him, but that you know, and didn't see him. But you weren't seeing really him anyway, right? Yeah. So we have to understand for this disappearance for everybody that yes, the last day that some of we trust, of course, Brandon's parents saw him on June twenty fourth. Uh, but that's not when the missing persons report was filed. What was the eventual decider of uh, a report actually being filed uh, for his disappearance? And when did that happen? Yeah, we had, uh, we, we, you know, we, we kind of struggled with it. You know, we were, we were, you know, obviously very concerned about our son and what, where he was and what was going on with him. And, we tried, made numerous attempts to try to contact him, you know, through social media and through his messenger and calling his phone and things like that. And yeah. any way we could get a hold of him, uh, no answer. But yet, then again, you know, he had also said, you know, I'm going to, you're not going to have contact with me. And at one right. point he said, the next time, the next time you hear from me, it'll be through my lawyer, uh, you know, and he was pretty much given his state of mind and everything and his, what he was believing about us and about me personally, what I was doing to him, you know, we, we were kind of like, he's just hiding out or he's, you know, he's, he does, he's chosen not to have contact with us. Mm -hmm. so, you know, that, that's kind of that. where we were. Right. So what For was while. the final decider though? Why did somebody or you or somebody finally file a missing persons report for him? Why? Well, we got to, 
we we live in a you know Fayetteville's like almost a hundred thousand people uh, Fayetteville proper you know and it's it's a the metropolitan area around Fayetteville it, it's the second largest you know population in the state we know a lot of people have a lot of friends and you know uh, and no one saw Brandon for a long time you know we get has, has anybody seen him or heard from him and you know we would periodically have people say well hey I was at Smitty's garage and you know it's a it's a restaurant and and uh, you know we saw Brandon there and you know but no one has seen him and you know even though he was distant with us he had some cousins that he would contact occasionally and talk to an aunt uh, or two that he was you know kind of liked and he would contact them uh, sometimes my mother but no one, no one had heard from him or seen from him. And, and it was getting to be a, quite a while. So we were starting to get concerned and we, you know, kept trying to send him messages. We never heard anything from him. Uh, and then we, we realized that he had a court date coming up and, you know, if he didn't show up for that court date, he was going to be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so we were waiting to kind of see if the, if the court date came up in September, is that what you said? No, we had a phone call in September. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, what, but we had a court date coming up. I think it was in October, right? Yeah. So the court date was coming up in October, and uh, we were kind of waiting to see if he showed up for his court date. And then, of course, as it gets, you know, a few weeks before the court date, uh, we're looking on the, the court docket page and everything, and they posted the notice up that says, all the court dates have been postponed due to COVID. They pushed it off to January. Okay. So we're like, oh no, you know, that's because we were really wanting to see, you know, if he showed yeah. up or whatever. So we continued to try to contact him. And again, not knowing whether there had been something happened to him or he was just, you know, choosing not to be in contact with us. And, uh, we ended up waiting until January till they actually did have the court date and he didn't show up. And then a few days later, we went up and filed the police reports. And it's, actually it, a, a day that he got, he got a bench warrant. So it worked out wonderfully. Protectors told us. All right. Um, so it all happened at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, we should also note that you're not just people hadn't seen or anything, but for example, being that he liked to go on Facebook or whatever, and post, you talked already talked about this rant that he had posted at some point, you know, well before he went missing, but he wasn't making any social media posts either. That also ended seemingly on June 24th, 2020. Right. Yes. Okay. So that June 24th, 2020, kind of is the the connection in all yeah. this you last saw him maybe somebody else saw him maybe a little later walking the opposite direction possibly but after that nobody's seen him and nobody in interaction with him for example your daughter ashton hadn't heard from him even though he had just been living with her like a couple months before that all of that just totally stopped right and yeah yeah that's correct we we had no contact with him but there's a couple of little elements there, like the the people that we did say that that said they had saw him pulling the wagon the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. That was prior mm -hmm. to us seeing him. So that was like 45 okay. minutes before we saw him. So okay. that would have put us as being the last people that saw right. him. Right. Now, early mm -hmm. on, 
we we were we had kind of talked to well no I guess that that was after at, shortly after we filed the police report and I may be jumping ahead a little bit there uh, uh, filed the missing persons report uh, police you know started doing their investigation and they came out and that's when they told us about the incident that happened at Walmart but okay, the that's way right you yeah you mentioned that before so this is right around then after he goes missing this is when you find find out where he had been like hours before he was seen at your place right uh, we would file the missing persons report mm -hmm. the police mm -hmm. had done a very you know limited Limit. preliminary investigation and you know maybe a week or two later after we filed the report and they come out and say well we we've been doing some looking and this is what we found out uh, that uh, after you guys saw him he was seen at walmart Mm -hmm. And he, mm -hmm. they said that was after that mm -hmm. we saw him. So we were thought that that Walmart, we didn't even know about that incident. But so we were led to believe it was later in the evening yeah. after, after uh, we saw him that he was seen at Walmart. So that kind of, uh, you know, eased some of our fears a little bit that, hey, okay, uh, he made it back to Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the police also told us that, in 2020 uh, and uh, we're going to get we're going to get to the mistakes i'll I, we'll get to those a little later that's that's totally fine we're going to get to those that's totally fine we'll get to the mistakes all right but i want to um i want to go to this next uh because we're going to it's going to lead into this wendy smith person um what have you have you learned anything about his phone information of course he was prolific on social media um, you know, seem obviously using his phone to do this. I don't know if he had a service, probably getting free Wi-Fi from Walmart or somewhere. But have you ever gotten any uh, information of the police in the last uh, three years, let's say, gotten any uh, information regarding the last ping, anything like that? No, uh, not really. They, the police don't tell us a lot of stuff. The, you know, it's an ongoing investigation. We have uh, filed the uh, FOIA Freedom of Information Act papers to try to find out what's going on. And uh, they they will give us stuff up until the time that Brandon was reported missing. But they say that's an ongoing investigation and they will not release any records to us. Now, from talking to the detectives, they have told us, you know, a little bit of stuff that, hey, we're subpoenaing this and we're subpoenaing that. And uh, we really didn't find anything on the phone records or we you know, just just kind of basic uh, generic information, you know, not not anything detailed at all. OK, so we don't have any information uh, there at all. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that. But that does bring us to this. And this woman whose name is Wendy Smith, allegedly, um, please, ex please uh, explain this story. How, when, when did this happen? Why did this happen? Well, now to, to, to clarify, to be uh, uh, transparent about this, mm -hmm. we don't know this lady's name that we, where it stems from is we got a phone call. I'll just set it up like this. Mm -hmm. We got okay. a phone call. Uh, Brandon had been missing. This was probably in September after Brandon had went missing in June or so. And we had been calling and checking about Brandon and asking family if they had heard from him. And my mother happened to come over that day. And was, it was kind of odd because we'd just been talking. And she said, have you heard anything from Brandon? Has anybody seen him? And we were like, no, we haven't seen him. And then I'm kind of standing in my kitchen and my mom's in the living room and my phone starts ringing. 
I reach in my pocket and pull it out and it's got Brandon's picture on it, you know, cause I had it set up to where it would show his picture when it rang. And, uh, I answer the phone and it, a, a female voice answers and, uh, I'm hello. And she just says, hi. And she just said, doesn't really say anything. Just kind of sits there. And I said, uh, you're calling on my son's phone. I said, uh, why do you, who are you and why do you have my son's phone? And she said, uh, Oh, she said, this is, uh, this is my dad's phone. And I said, okay. I said, who's your dad? And she said, John Smith. And I'm all like, right. okay, that doesn't sound suspicious at all. <laughs> of but, course uh, not. She, said her, she said her dad. Yeah. And, uh, she, uh, she goes on to explain that her dad was a homeless gentleman who lived in the Fayetteville area. And uh, he had died, I guess they found him on the trail sometime. I don't know if it was natural causes or what, but he was found dead. And, and this phone was his, it was you know, one of his possessions. And uh, the police had turned it over to her or something, or she had gotten it some way through the possessions of her dad. I don't know how exactly that transfer happened, but anyway, she was supposedly calling people on his address book you know, people that acquaintances and friends and notifying them that her dad had passed away. And I, you know, kind of thought it was a little odd, but mm-hmm. not outside the realm of possibility be, due to the fact that Brandon would frequently call me from odd numbers. And he was all, a lot of times very difficult to track down and get a hold of. So a lot of times when he would call me from a number that I didn't recognize, I would go ahead and add it to my phone contact as a as a number and so i thought well maybe he was just borrowing this john smith's phone and i saw that this is the number he's calling me from so i added it as a contact yep makes sense in case i needed to get rid of get a get a hold of him in the future you know so he uh i I didn't really think a lot about it and uh, i offered my condolences and said well i'm sorry to hear about your dad i didn't didn't personally know him but sorry, you know, you're dealing with your deaf, your dad and, and got off the phone with her and didn't really think a whole lot about it. Thought it was a little bit odd, but then like the next day, I think like I uh, feel my phone vibrating in my pocket and I pull it out and I'm butt dialing somebody and I look and it's the, the phone number that I supposed to be Brandon's that the lady, yeah. had, I was dialing it back. And, uh, I just, I'm just going to see who, see if anybody answers. So I just sit there. It doesn't answer. It goes to voicemail. But then when it goes to voicemail, it's hello, you've reached the phone of Brandon Barron. Sorry, I can't take your call right now. Wow. So, and, and, and wow. it didn't even, it didn't dawn on me just instantly. I just go, oh, okay. Well, it went to voicemail. And I, I thought, wait a minute. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If that's her dad's phone why is Brandon's voicemail on it? You know, I said, that's kind of, so we contacted the police and everything and they tried to, you know, look it up and they really couldn't find out any information and they, they weren't really very successful in tracking anything down. They did track that phone down. Well, they, they, they found the phone records. They did not track the phone down. That was the phone he was used to cut, took the picture. I know, but they never found the phone. Right. And I know they didn't. They never found. Well, they the, never found the phone. They never found the phone. They 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 did subpoena the phone records, uh, and mm-hmm. they saw that there it was made to my phone, mm-hmm. and but that after the time that Brandon lost it, 
So, uh, and when, once again, to remind everybody, when did this call happen? When this woman called you, when did that happen? Don't have an exact date sometime, probably mid September, yeah. something like that of 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020. Yeah. All right. So three, and, like three months out later after his disappearance. And then the connection with the name Wendy Smith, mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. even sure about that. That's, uh, we had a lady for a short time that was, uh, somewhat of a private investigator mm-hmm. that was kind of mm-hmm. looking in to see if she could find out any information on Brandon. And she came up with uh, the name Wendy Smith because apparently she supposedly had some law enforcement connections and she was able to look at some stuff that, that, you know, I couldn't go look up or other people can go look up, but she had saw some of the intake reports from when Brandon was uh, incarcerated on some of his previous charges for, I don't know which one or what, but she had saw at one point he had put the name Wendy Smith as a contact on uh, as somebody to contact, you know, for when he, on the intake papers for the jail for being incarcerated. So, and that's where, you know, the theory, she kind of had that theory that Wendy Smith could possibly be the daughter of John Smith who had the phone. Yeah. So, and unfortunately Smith is the most common last name in the United States. Yeah. It's not like yeah, my so, name. Denzel is, is really, really, really rare. Uh, yeah. even, even in Germany, which is where my ancestors are from. So it's not something like that. So I guess what you're saying is when you talk to this woman, she didn't give her name. She did not. She, uh, so what, so she said she was calling people just to let everybody know that her father was deceased. But then once again, later, when you made this mistake, like the next day you call it back and it's still Brandon's voicemail on this phone. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I called the phone numerous times after that. Yeah. And I never can get any kind of response or call or text message or anything go through. So it just kind of goes silent. Did you happen to just, um, I know you told the police about this, but yourself, like keep an eye on like obituaries in the Fayetteville area. Was there somebody who, uh, you know, a, a guy who, died around that time that you might be able to connect to what she was talking about? Or do you look back at this, your instincts and say, you know what? I think she might've been making this up. What do your instincts tell you? I did. You did? I did look at it. Did you not find anything? Well, that you would think that would be something that, and I, you know, didn't really, I, I kind of thought about that much, much later, but, uh, you would think that, if somebody was found a homeless man that was found dead in Fayetteville, the police would probably know about it. I mean, you would think they would, they would know that, Hey, there was a dead man found dead in Fayetteville, a homeless man. So, you know, that should be something that would be verifiable then. And I, you know, maybe that's a, I don't have, we ever asked detective Morris that if they ever found a John Smith dead and they didn't. So. No, I looked it up too. But with being homeless, it's going to be a pauper's grave. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily, because he had an uncle that passed away, that, or a step-uncle. And there was no obituary. His brother didn't put a obituary yet. Well, just because you're homeless doesn't necessarily mean yeah, you're a pauper's grave. But your, your, your uncle wasn't homeless either. He was just poor. I know. But I'm just saying, you know, he may have had family that was, for mental reasons or whatever, he may have been, he may have had family that was very well off and able to, 
give him a proper burial, you know, so I don't know anything about, or he, he could be totally fictitious. Right. And, I guess what we're saying here is there was nothing that really jumped out in any media there, you know, homeless, quote unquote, homeless man found dead and nothing, no story like that. And looking at obituaries in the area, you were never able to connect the two. I personally never looked at obituaries, but she may have at that time. But yeah. So, yeah, I think she, she may have looked in there, but we didn't, not made aware of anything like that. Okay. So almost three years later, this one, the story this woman told on the phone is unverifiable. Unverifiable. It very well may be true, but there's nothing to support what she said. The only thing verifiable is that I got a phone call and that mm -hmm. when I dialed that number back, it was Brandon's phone because it had his voicemail okay. on it. You know, what, that's happens, the only what happens when you call that phone now three years later? Is it still Brandon's <laughs> voicemail or what? I think it goes to a different person or somebody yeah, else. It's, has already, a, it's been reissued maybe to a different person or something. Detective told me that they recycled that number. It was actually the phone that Brandon's step was on through the police. It was actually a police number. The one that so, he had yeah. gotten from the, the monitoring, you know, the company that did the monitoring. And it was also our number was on the, the last one. It was on there. Okay. She didn't call anybody else. Yeah, so that's that's so all. that so that kind of flies in the face of what she said. I'm calling all my father's friends. It seems like after she talked to you, she didn't call anybody else. That's right. Yeah, this what's all right. So that that to me undermines her story certainly. All right, uh, moving on to this. Uh, any searches ever done around your house, being that you two were the last one to see them? Uh, you know, we, you know, makes sense that there might be some searches done. Any searches done in that maybe two uh, mile perimeter diameter of that area? Anything like that? Well, in 2021, we reported him missing in January. The we started out the police officer, then it got switched to detectives, our detective, and. They they went to search and um, right off the bat because they went and investigated it first and then the things came up with I don't know if we got to the part salvation no we haven't got to the mistake but but, yeah. mm -hmm. but um, so he went and did it uh, first time I ever met detective and I said I just feel like I need to walk these woods and I couldn't. And I just feel him in the woods. I said, you know, I just know he's in the woods. So, but he, he didn't take it serious. Um, so in 2022, we've been living all this thing where Brandon's possibly missing out of Fayetteville. So 2023, 2022, found out it's debunked. And I started begging detective to look at my son. And it took me from March to December to get him out here to search. Two years after he's been missing. Mm -hmm. So they come out and searched in December of 2019. They then, from about a mile from our house where Brandon was last seen, to the not the creek banks, they didn't some of the creek banks. And 
so happened it snowed the day before. So the cadaver dogs' noses were cold. So they didn't, they weren't as sharp, you know, but they mm -hmm. still did care dogs did an awesome job. Um, but they searched a mile back to our house. They just stayed on our property searching no Brandon. And that was all we knew that they searched. And we had a guy come and search on his own. And he found some things. And that was pretty close where Brandon was missing. And so that was on like a Friday. And he didn't get a hold of the police until Saturday night. He was working. And I said, you need to call, make sure. He tried to call the police at the police department and the, the yeah it was actually the wee hours of sunday morning when i called i actually i had went down there that guy went out and looked on a friday and told me he had found a like, few items and um so i went down saturday because i was familiar with exactly where he told me he had found these items and then what he told me he found was some clothing and some bones, but he was reasonably certain the bones were animal bones. And uh, the clothing, he said it was just, he saw some random clothing that was half buried in the dirt. So, you know, we, I went down there and looked and I found the clothing that he was talking about. And I did see the bones and some of them were clearly animal bones. And, and I had the feeling, you know, there was, you know, some bones scattered around, you know, not just, they were very far scattered and, and I, uh, I was like him. I was reasonably certain they were animal bones. They weren't, they, you know, uh, some of them were skulls, you know, that obviously were for some kind of a smaller animal, but uh, you know, there were some, some small bones that, you know, could possibly have been, you know, finger bones, toe bones or whatever. But in, then again, I, I just thought they were animal bones. I uh, did see the clothing. And uh, I thought, well, you know, doesn't really look like the kind of clothing Brandon would wear. And, uh, you know, there was the remnants of a trash sack that the clothing were in. And when I saw Brandon's wagon that day, I didn't recall seeing a black trash sack in, the, in there. <laughs> so didn't really think it was Brandon's anything to do with Brandon's. But, hey, since I'm here, I'm going to look around on my own. So I kind of started, you know, walking back and forth up and down the creek and kind of widening my path as I, you know, went up the creek, you know, progressing out more towards the, the, it's kind of the creek and then the road. And I was kind of going back and forth, searching the area between the creek and the road. And at one point I came upon a, a and this is all in a floodplain. So there's, you know, ground shifting and moving all the time with rains and things. Yeah. But I found a, a, some blue fabric cloth kind of a canvasy type material sticking up out of the dirt and i kind of brushed it around my foot and got down and looked at it and it looked very similar like it could be the, the type of material you would see on a collapsible portable wagon like a beach wagon like awesome. like brandon's yeah so i thought hey you know maybe maybe there's something here and i i for a, a minute i thought well, I'll, I'll dig it up and see what it is and then i remembered the detectives had told me you know if you you're free to go search. We'll do whatever you want to do, you know, but if you find anything, try not to disturb it or whatever. So I said, I'm not going to dig it up. I'm just going to let the police know what I found and I'll let them proceed. However, they you know, want to proceed. 
And uh, so I didn't didn't call them immediately and because I think I went down, didn't I search it on my way to work or something a little way? No, it was actually that when Saturday morning when I got off and I'd been up all night. So I came home and went to sleep. And when I woke up, I told Shelly that I found this part of this. I was at a um, thing in Branson. Oh, was a bunch of ladies. Oh, is that where you were at? But I, at some point I told you or whatever, and then you started telling me, hey, you need to let the police know about this. So Sunday morning, I, because uh, I, I was thinking about waiting to Monday, you know, because I didn't figure there'd be anybody. Of course they would have, but I, I knew our detective would, wouldn't be there on the weekend. Uh, so I was planning on waiting to Monday, but she encouraged me to call them. So I, I called them Sunday morning. They said they would dispatch some deputies out there. No, it was Saturday night because you left a message. And I got a call that morning saying they're coming out that morning. So we missed church. Sun, Sunday morning. Yeah, we were, we got a, I got home and kind of took a little short nap and we were getting ready to go to church and uh, the police called us and they said, Hey, can you meet us down there? And I said, sure. So uh, we ended up not making it to church that morning and uh, stopped down there. And I took the detectives and the police out and showed them exactly the things I'd found and seen. And, and uh, they uh, dug the, the material, the, the blue cloth that I'd seen in the ground, they dug it up and it ended up being a, uh, like a uh, soft-sided little small cooler or lunchbox kind of a thing that was buried up in the dirt and uh, no really no indication that it belonged to Brandon or anything. So, you know, uh, I don't really recall seeing anything like that in his possession. So right. it was probably right. something unrelated. But And they kind of did a very, very, very limited search and kind of roamed around a little bit, kind of, you know, looked around a little and, and I showed him some some of the clothing that I found there where that the other gentleman had found the clothing. But then also there was a few other places where I saw some uh, one one part. There was a in the dry creek bed. There was on a branch. There was some shorts like, you know, some uh, somebody shorts hanging not, not underwear, but like swimming trunk looking shorts hanging there on the They were faded and been there for a long time. And and, you know, a couple of other clothing articles an old t-shirt or something have no idea if it was brandon's or who you know who they could have belonged to but uh made them aware of those and they they kind of looked looked at that stuff and okay. they they did pick up some of the bones and they took them and they said they were going to send them off to their bone guy that's a guy that's a bone expert and uh you know very shortly after that like a day or two they they came back and said oh the bones that they found were animal bones which you know I kind of suspected all along they weren't they weren't human bones, but uh, the detective did tell us at that time. He said, uh, "Yeah, don't worry about it. We're going to come back out and do another search, and we'll bring out you know a lot more manpower, and we'll come out and we'll we'll comb this whole area and we'll do it, check it really well in a day or two. Yeah, in a, in a day or two. Well, like that was su uh, Sunday morning, and then like by end of the week, we said, "Hey, did you guys get back out and?" and uh, check the area and they said oh no we're sorry you know we've been in training all week and we haven't had time to get out there we'll we'll uh, try to set something up next week and then next week we called them and they said oh no we still have we still had some training to finish up early in the week and we haven't got out there you know and eventually it just kind of got pushed to the side and 
uh, several weeks or months went by and month at least you know, over a month and they still had never came out and did the search and then at one point you know Shelly was very upset that they hadn't came out and did the search uh but uh they they uh we i remember we asked him uh, we actually because a lot of times we would have trouble just calling them up and getting to talk to somebody so what we resorted to is a lot of times if we need to talk to them we'll just drive up and go up to their sheriff's department and go in and say hey we want to speak to detective morris and that seems to be the best way to get you know personal contact with him so we drove up there and we went in and talked to him and we asked him did you guys ever do the search you know and and he he kind of says well we can do that if you want us to and we were like you know you told us you were you were going to come out you were definitely going to do it now it's like well if you're making a special request for us to do it you know we'll we'll go out and do it so it, it didn't seem to be high priority on their list and you know i think it was a half-hearted search at best and uh you did know, you not then, tell me that at one point that they weren't going to do a search or texas texas equal search was involved but then they weren't involved because there was a warrant out for brandon did you not tell me that no i don't i don't the no, texas equal search did get involved uh and we you know kind of lobbied them to, to try to come get them to come up and search and they finally agreed that they were going to come up and do a search right and uh, we we were exci excited about that and you know uh shelly has has some issues where you know because of her stroke she doesn't deal with stress very well and it really causes her when she, she gets under a lot of stress she doesn't handle it very well her body actually she has physical symptoms from it makes her very ill so you know i was kind of concerned that you know it was going to be one of these things where you know they're going to say they're going to come up and do a search and then they'll you know she'll get all hyped up about it and excited about it and then something will happen and end up falling through so when i found i didn't i really wasn't familiar with texas equisearch but uh in one of the conversations i had with our contact lady at uh, texas equisearch i said they said they were coming up to do what they called a recon search and they said we're going to come up and we're going to do kind of a preliminary small scale search we'll only bring three or four people and uh we're going to do an assessment and see what sort of resources we need to bring. You know, they said, sometimes we utilize drones. Uh, we have ATVs. We can do horseback, uh, you know, various, various, you know, boots on the ground, you know, certainly. And uh, they had the, you know, different, different options available to them. They wanted to see which, what would be most appropriate for our terrain, our area yeah. and all that. So, you know, at that point I did ask her, I said, uh, now, are you guys definitely coming up to do a bigger search or is this going to be a situation where you come up and look it over and, and then you might end up saying, Oh, well, we've decided not to do the search now at this time, you know, because of what we find out on the, on the recon search. And she said, no, no, we're, we're, we're definitely, we will come up and do a bigger search. We're going to do that. You know, this is just, just to, you know, verify information and figure out what kind of resources we need and, you know, just reconnaissance kind of things. And I said, okay, well, that's great. So they end up, and this is like a month or so before the, the after the they had done their little search, the police had done, I had done the thing down there, right? A couple of months. A couple of months maybe afterwards. And we'd kind of been harping on the, the sheriff's department to 
to do that search and and then finally they're well we can do it if you want us to and the kind of thing and uh up until like two weeks before texas equisearch came out shelly asked them and they said no we have not done that search and it we're so good yeah. and, and and then it was kind of our understanding that they weren't going to do it because they knew texas equisearch was coming up mm-hmm. and so which well, kind of made sense to me you know i but uh, she was a little disappointed. But uh, huh? We knew Texas. Yeah. So so I thought you know they they they're better equipped probably to handle it there and have probably frankly more experience than our little sheriff's department here looking for missing persons and things like that. So uh, we were excited to have that going on, and then uh, the Texas Equisearch would not do the search unless they got. Uh, permission from the Washington County uh, right. Sheriff Department. And so we kind of had to, Washington County said, oh, we can't call in anybody. We, we you know, we're, we, we, that's not something we do. So finally we got a meeting with the sheriff and we talked to the sheriff himself and explained to him our situation. He said he had no problems with Texas Equity Search coming in and whatever. And then I explained to them that they, Really, all they're looking for is for you to tell them that by them coming up and doing the search, that they're not doing anything that's going to jeopardize your investigation or in, interfere with it in any way. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of why they want the Washington County Sheriff's Department involved in it. And so after kind of clearing all that up, we got them together and they got the blessing or the, the you know, said it was okay for them to come up and do the search. Uh, set up a time, Texas Equal Search came up. They met with us, uh, talked to us maybe, what, a couple hours? And they, there was like four of them showed up. And they said, look, uh, you know, ask us a bunch of questions. Had a, had a pretty good interview, and they were taking notes and everything. And then they, after they left, they said, well, we're going to go down and look at the area over where Brandon disappeared. And, talk to detectives. and then they were going to go talk to the detectives and uh, they, they left here and it's a mile from our house. Like I said, where, where Brandon disappeared, they left here and it was maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, Shelly and I, you know, we, we was getting late. We didn't have any time really to cook anything. So we said, well, we're just going to run over here and grab a hamburger in West Fork. So we ran to West Fork to grab a hamburger and, and it was like, oh, I said, only 30, 45 minutes after they had left our house and we drive by and they're, they've got their trucks down there and they've got lawn chairs out and they're sitting behind their truck in lawn chairs. Probably darn detectives. And, huh? Probably darn detectives. Well, they, I didn't see the detectives there, but they may have been talking to them on the phone or what, I don't know. But anyway, so we drove on to Westport, got our hamburger and... After just shortly after getting our hamburger, they called up and said, oh, we're packing it up up here. And it couldn't have been, you know, they couldn't have been down there more than maybe an hour at max. Right. They were looking for another person. Well, they're looking for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they they were leaving that area. They were Mm -hmm. so they they were packing up where they were there doing their recon search or whatever for Brandon. It couldn't have lasted more than an hour. What Texas Equisearch did. And then they were asking me information about a character that lived out this way that was 
uh, known to have a lot of associations with homeless people and uh, has a, a, a house, you know, kind of halfway between Fayetteville and where we live. Mm-hmm. He he routinely takes in homeless people and everything. And uh, they the police had talked to him sometime earlier in the year. And he they asked they showed him Brandon's picture and asked him if he knew him. And he said he didn't know Brandon, but he had seen him before around the, some of the homeless camps in Fayetteville and stuff. And he told they and the gentleman told the police, well, give me a week and I'll find it for you. He said, you know, I've got lots of connections in the, in in the homeless community. And, you know, police said, OK, yeah, make sure you, you let us know. And they never heard anything back from him. He, of course, they didn't. Yeah, was unable to find him or whatever. But the Texas Equisearch went down and talked to that gentleman again, and you know, he didn't know anything. And then uh, I think, did they go talk to the sheriff's office again after no, that? No, they were talking to him out here. They had everything. Okay. I guess maybe they were doing a phone conference with him no, or something. No, they or... were talking to him out here. Oh, well, maybe they showed up there. I don't know how they were talking. At some point, they talked with the sheriff's office again, and uh, they informed us that they're heading back home which they told us earlier that day they were going to be there at least one more night. No, they told me they going to be there three or four days. Yeah, but they, uh, anyway, they were supposed to be there longer. But then after the meeting with the sheriffs, so mysteriously, they're going home right away. And they they left, and then, you know, we uh, sent a message to say, hey, what's going on? And then later in the day, we get a text message that says, sorry, we're not going to be able to do the search. And we're like, what, you know, what's going on here? You know, why you're not going to be able to do the search? And then finally, they sent us another text message and said, well, look, you know, we talked to the police and they've already done some searches out there. And and uh, we did go check out some of the homeless camps in Fayetteville. And, you know, we talked to this Mike Brown character. And right now we don't think a search is warranted or whatever. So. They just they canceled the search on us. And then I, a few days later, I did get a phone call from one of the gentlemen that came up to interview us. And he you know, was apologizing profusely. And he said, you know, that kind of thing should have never been handled by text message. And they should have gave us a personal phone call and, you know, explained him. And I kind of tried to I, I was kind of left you know, not really understanding, you know, how we went from. Yeah, we're definitely going to come back and do a. A, a big a large-scale search to no we're not able to do it now i i don't know how we got there and you know the only thing we saw was that shortly after they talked to washington county sheriff's department then it seems like it's the search is you know pretty much nipped in the bud so you know and then and then another thing is then a little bit later we asked them uh what about the search you guys were supposed to do and they said oh we already did that and we we're like, really? When did that happen? And they said, oh, it was like a week before the Texas Equus surge. Was I don't. Up they didn't tell us. They didn't tell us when, or but they somehow somewhere in between, you two know, because like Shelly, two weeks of that before had asked them, and they had done the search, and then afterwards we find out that somewhere in there they supposedly did come back and do a more detailed search. Okay. So. And we all right. So Texas Texas Equus Search was involved for a while. Are they going to be involved anytime in the future? Uh, they said they would. There's no. There's no. 
immediate plans for them to be involved, but they said, they did tell us that, hey, we're not writing this off. We're going to wait for more information. And, you know, if there are further developments in this case, we would definitely come back up and do a bigger search. But I don't know what, you know, if they, I guess maybe if they, if somebody found, you know, compelling, because just to be fair and honest, I mean, Brandon disappeared out in this area, but, you know, literally he could be anywhere. I mean, he could, somebody, somebody could could be, I mean, there's no hard evidence to link him to being in the woods around our house, but that's just, you know, if you lose something, where do you look for it? The last place you saw it, right. usually. And right. that's, that's, that's what we're going on. I mean, we don't have anything else. So okay. let's they move on to this. What about, what about this wagon? Of course, it's not been found either. I mean, of course we know, realize that humans or animals or biological organisms leave them out in the woods or something, they're going to deteriorate. But the wagon would not. Has this wagon ever been tracked down anywhere, seen anywhere? Never, never been seen, never never heard of again. So, you know, that seems to be one of the mysteries. And that's why, you know, we had some signs and stuff made up and we made sure to, I didn't have a exact picture of Brandon's wagon, his literal wagon, but I, you know, I posted a picture of the similar wagon and said, Brandon was seen pulling a wagon that looked something like this. And, you know, if you've seen Brandon or his wagon, you know, somewhere in our area, abandoned or whatever, please call Washington County Sheriff. And we have gotten no feedback or no one's claiming to have seen the wagon or, or it just seems to have vanished off the face of the earth. So, all right. So we realize you know, we've, we've covered enough disappearances on Unfound where remains have been found, bones, and everything. It's all very sad, but we realize the biological organisms that, you know, deteriorate, disintegrate over time. But, of course, plastic and rubber and things, that, you know, it takes a lot longer, maybe never. And yeah. this wagon, uh, of course, we have to remember it's on wheels. So how would you take that in, out into the woods somewhere without a path? But seemingly it has never been seen again. And we also have to remember there was stuff in this wagon. It is still missing uh, along with Brandon. Now we have um, kind of touched upon just a little bit. Um, some of these mistakes that the yeah. police have made uh, one regarding the Salvation Army. You know, why don't we talk about those right now, which is also complicated you know, trying to investigate this because people, not you, but people who should know better got their dates wrong. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, we kind of waited a, quite a while to turn Brandon to report him as missing because at that point we weren't sure whether, you know, his being absent in our lives was because that was what he chose to do or there was some kind of, a you know, some nefarious activity or something unfortunate or had happened to him or something we didn't know. So, you know, we were kind of really watching this court date thing and cause we thought we know he should have to show up for this court date and then it got pushed off. So that kind of made us a little bit more uh, anxious. And then the coupled with the fact that no family members, no friends that we could find, no one acquaintances had seen him period or would, or said that they had seen him when we asked, uh, we were, you know, after the he missed his uh, January court date, you know, a couple of days after we said, we're going to go, we're going to file a missing persons report. 
So we filed the missing persons report. And then like a few weeks later or whatever, we checked back with them. And, and that's when the police tell us, oh, well, after Brandon, you know, uh, was seen out here at your, after you saw him, he was in Fayetteville and he got treated. Uh, an ambulance was called and, uh, you know, they were he refused medical treatment. So they just left him and he was he was staying in a homeless camp out behind Fayetteville. So, OK, well, at least he made it back to Fayetteville. And then they come up a little while later and they say, OK, we've done some more checking around. And he was kicked out of the Salvation Army December the 4th of 2020. Uh, so like six months after you last saw him. So this gives yeah. you hope that he was still alive. then, Yeah. Right. So for violating curfew, supposedly he got kicked out of the of Salvation Army. So we're like, OK. And, and so that that kind of all that situation led us to not focus on looking in the woods or searching around this area, you know, because we had what we thought was reliable, credible information that he wasn't the, the last place he was seen wasn't in this area. And uh, at some point, when did when did Detective Morris let us know that uh, in May, you said? It was in March of 2022. March of 2022. Okay. They come back and they said, okay, this case had gotten kind of kind of stale. So we went back and re-interviewed everybody. And uh, yeah, we kind of made some mistakes and said, okay, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, the Walmart incident where we saw him, that was at 3 or 4, 8, 3 a.m. that morning. Before, before, you saw, saw. before you two saw and, and we were kind of led to believe that it was later in the day after that. Okay. Uh, so it was in the AM hours before, uh, you know, before he ever came out here with his wagon or whatever. And then, uh, then they also proceed to tell us that, Oh, we got our dates wrong on the, uh, the siding where he or the, the information where he was kicked out of the Salvation Army for violating curfew. And that actually occurred in 2019, not 2021, uh, 2020. All right. So in one case, they make a mistake by, even though it was a mistake of only maybe 12 to 14 hours, it's still a mistake, but at least it's on the same day. But what you're saying here is they made a mistake by an entire year. Yeah. And there was another one too, where his friend dropped him off in July at her trails to walk. Yeah. And that was wrong too. And I found out about that one because that was the only extra thing that was out there besides Salvation Army. So I called her up and said, I questioned her over and over and over for about an hour. She grilled her and grilled her. I did. And, and she was willing to answer. And I'm thankful, but she dropped him off to lie 2019. Not, Not in July 2020, which would have been, you know, a few yeah, weeks after his actual disappearance. Right. It's once again, so people, uh, you know, we uh, on Unfound, we talk a lot about how people can get dates and things wrong. This is why that I personally am so dismissive of eyewitness accounts and everything. Uh, you know, when the police can't even get a year right, then how can anything really be trusted regarding eyewitnesses, especially if you're talking to them days later, weeks later, or whatever else, 
it's just not how the brain you know the brain really works whereas with you two you saw him on a day that was significant because you had something unique going on on that day so that you're always going to remember of course brandon's your son too which helps but for everybody else they're just going about their regular you know their their regular business and it's amazing how the human mind even though it's a great calculator cannot keep these kinds of things straight yeah we went from we went from you know thinking that he had been seen months later and you know he had made it to Fayetteville okay and everything and here we are like a year and six seven eight months later we find out no all that was wrong Mm -hmm. and now you know the the last place he was seen was by us yeah that corner it wasn't it wasn't some people at walmart it wasn't the people at salvation army it wasn't this friend who dropped them off at the trails it actually eventually all came back to you two. Yeah. And then that's when we start, you know, wow, we should have been looking in these woods around here and focusing our attention more. And then that's why it was, it was, it was very devastating when Texas Equisearch pulled out and Shelly was, she was just, you know, mm-hmm. she was a mess for a day or two after that. Oh, so. Sure. Okay. Um, How hard has this been for you two? Of course, you just mentioned that seconds ago. Um, you know, this is a situation where, you know, he's your son, of course, uh, you love him. You continue to love him. You're always going to love him. But I also realized, you know, he had made these threats, you know, he was, he had issues. It seemed going back, uh, some years. Was it ever in your mind that, you know, he could go missing given his situation and the drugs and the mental health issues? Was it ever something that you really even thought that that could even happen? No, I mean, I could see him maybe because he had talked about it before and he had he had talked about possibly moving off to a, a different state and going to a big city. And and he actually tried that at one point, went to San Francisco and lived with a friend out there for a while. And, uh, you know, and we call that lady and she hadn't seen him or heard from him. But, you know, uh, I thought maybe he might he might take off and go to a different live in a different place, but I thought we would probably on some level have some kind of contact with him, you know, I mean, even if it's infrequent and, you know, sparse, but, you know, we would still, you know, kind of have some idea where he's at and that he's okay. But, you know, it's very unlike Brandon to just have no communication period with us to start with. But then when you, you know, include his, his closest friends, family members that he was, you know, frequently in contact with. I mean, nobody. And then, you know, social media stops, completely stops. Uh, There's no financial records that we know of, of any transactions or anything happening after that date. Uh, Somebody who is suffering from mental illness plus has, you know, drug problems and and is homeless. uh, Quite frequently, they have frequent, uh, encounters with law enforcement right and there there has been no there has Zero. been no law enforcement and he's on a national list supposedly if he if his name gets ran or his fingerprints show up uh, him being picked up anywhere in the united states it's supposed to you know hit so what happened to brandon i mean so th- that that leads us to think that you know possibly he's deceased i, I we we hate to think that, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a reality we have to face. He could very well be, 
laying in some of these woods out here or uh, maybe somebody picked him up and took him off and did something with him. I, you, you can speculate. Anything. Yeah, we're, yeah, and yeah, we we know really anything right at, at this point probably is possible. <laughs> How have your other two children been affected by this? <sighs> My daughter's really sick, and uh, she loves her brother. My son loves his brother, mm -hmm. and he actually went with us. So they never forgotten. Yeah. My kids don't leave. Brendan's always come back to here. No matter what he's done, we love our son. Yeah. You know, if we could just find out, you know, I mean, even if he if if he did make the conscious decision, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with my parents anymore. That would be something we could. It would hurt, but we could live with it, you know. But just the not knowing and not having any answers, or you know, whether he's hurt somewhere or he's dead somewhere, or you know, we we just we just don't know. That's that's hard. Do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for um, Brandon's disappearance? If so, uh, we can talk about that right now. Okay. Yeah, she's got a, a Facebook page we've, we've set up. It's his link. Well, you can just, you can just, if well, they uh, just give the title of it, that'll be fine. The title uh, of the Facebook page. Uh, help find our missing son, Brandon Barron. That's the right. that's the help, help find our missing son Brandon Barron. Who just to remind everybody that's with two R's, B A R R O N. Brandon Barron, help us find our son Brandon Barron. That is a Facebook page. Is that a Facebook page that you manage, or do you have somebody running it for you, or what? Kelly primarily manages it, I think, uh, and I'll get on there every once in a while. But it's it's ninety nine percent Shelly, and you know I, okay. I I work outside the home, so she's. She has more time and uh, more patience for it. I, I, I kind of. Right. Yeah. He does. He does. He helps me pass out posters, and we just we're trying to find her. Yeah, but it's, it's primarily Shelly's doing, and she's done an awesome job trying to get the word out. And she's, you know, starting to gain a few followers. And uh, you know, we've got okay. like got. She was just really excited the other day. She got over eleven hundred followers, wow. which is not, yeah. A lot, but I mean, by some no, that's good. No, but, yeah, it's good. Uh, so it, it it's starting to get out there, and we're hoping, you know, maybe some of your listeners can can join in, and the more people, more eyes we get on the ground, our eyes on the on the problem, you know, then the better off we're going to be as far as being able to possibly, you know, getting just takes that one person that seen something or heard something or or knows something to to come forward, and you know this whole situation could change, you know? Right. Right. Any final words before we complete this interview, Daryl and Shelly, any final words? You got any final words? I just, if Brandon's watching this. Yeah. We love you, son. Yeah, we love you so much. And, you know, if you happen to see this post, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever you've done or whatever, you know, you think we've done, 
you know, you can contact us and we can work through it. And, you know, we'll, we'll try to help you in whatever way we can. And we just want to know that you're okay. And we love Carol you. and Shelly. I appreciate you being on this episode of unfound. Thank you. Thank you. So, and we, we appreciate you, Ed and, yeah, and your platform. You. And thank you so much for, for, for uh, having us on and, and helping us get the word out. I mean, it's a, uh, I think through people like you and other platforms, we're going to maybe be the answer to getting, getting some more answers. I hope so too. And you're welcome. Thank you. And that was part two of my August 21st, 2023 interview with the parents of Brandon Barron, Daryl and Shelly Barron. I thank them for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. So you can understand just how close Brandon was to the Baron house when sighted. I've created a map analysis video that you can now find on Unfound's YouTube channel. What caught my ear during the interview, and this is in no way to criticize Daryl and Shelley. Both of them are fantastic people. And despite how Brandon acted toward them, they are doing everything in their power to find him. That is what true good parenting is. But you will notice that despite this disappearance being only a little over three years old, Daryl and Shelley still have different recollections of certain events and discussions that occurred in 2020. And you could hear in the interview how at least a few points still aren't ironed out here in 2023. And this is despite them surely talking about Brandon's disappearance almost every single day for the past three years. All of you need to understand that this is common. Daryl and Shelley are not unique in this regard at all. However, this might not be obvious to all of you because Unfound rarely has two guests on at the same time. In addition, the average age of a disappearance this podcast covers is about 22 years old, where recollections and interpretations can deviate wildly after two decades, whereas you don't expect that in a three-year-old disappearance. However, we should. The human mind is not a computer like the one you're using to listen to this podcast. If you type something into a file and save it, 50 years from now, the file will still have the same data. The brain, not so much. Moreover, computers don't have emotions. At least not yet. Whereas humans do. And this even goes for guests who we've had who didn't even know the missing person at all but simply have taken interests in disappearances for other reasons. These people can also be affected by their biases, experiences, and work. Having said all that, though, there is no doubt in my mind that Daryl and Shelley have the important details of Brandon as a person and the circumstances of his disappearance correct, which most concerns us here. To conclude, this message is for Daryl and Shelly and all the other families out there. You are not waiting alone. We are all waiting right there alongside 
you. If you'd like to read and hear my deep analysis of Brandon Barron's disappearance, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast to sign up and partake in the Unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.